All right, listen, you have to be loud enough for twice the amount of people because we had to cut our services like coronavirus edition. And so when you got me, I need you guys to be loud for another group here, okay? So uh, are you you're with me, right? Okay, all right. I am excited. I knew, I knew that was going to happen again. The presence of the Lord hit the last service like that. It was like, whoa, you know, just didn't know what to do. But have I said yet? I don't think I have. It is good to see people. <laughs> Are you happy to be here? Like, I'm, I'm super happy to be here. Um, I am not a televangelist. I learned that really quickly. I've learned that really quickly. Um, I would come in here on Fridays, and I would uh, record my sermon. And, uh, and then Saturday, the worship team would come in. We tried the very first week doing it all live, like coming in on Sunday morning at 1030. About 10 minutes before the service started, all of the internet went out, completely crashed. And uh, we're like... Uh oh. And so um, they're like running, trying to figure everything out. After that Sunday, I said, We're not doing it live again. Like, we're going to pre record it. So if the internet goes out, we're good. And so, anyways, um, it's been an interesting journey. How many of you have heard uh, our friend Bill Vanderbush talk about his whole like in the future and now and doing things? Well, what you don't realize is when I was ministering on Sundays, I was actually prophesying on Fridays for Sundays, which was a whole new realm for me to be calling out words of knowledge for two days later. And you're like, hey, I wonder if, you know, and so we had people, listen, the kingdom of God, how many of you know, will continue to advance. The kingdom of God will advance. It doesn't matter if we can't come together in a building. It doesn't stop. And we had incredible people getting healed and sending in testimonies of healings and everything else while we were in this season of being, you know, not gathering. So God is moving. God is moving. Amen. All right. It's Pentecost Sunday. It's Pentecost Sunday. This is an exciting day. I've been focused and my heart has been connected to the th- this, this topic of the fire of God now for weeks. I don't know if you guys, I hope you watched our sermons, but if you didn't, I'm going to fill you in on one of them. A few weeks ago, the Lord had me on a, on a sermon about the, pr- the, the pursuit of Jesus. I talked about pursuing him. I talked about the road to Emmaus, and I talked about pursuit. And I want to just give you a recap of that before I dive into this message, because I think it sets the stage. How many of you remember when Jesus was walking with the disciples after he had died and resurrected, and they were walking on the road to Emmaus, which, by the way, the town of Emmaus, the name Emmaus means the burning place. So they were on the way to the burning place with Jesus. And so they're walking, and this is one of those moments that when I get to heaven, I definitely want to watch the video of this one, because it says that Jesus basically disguised himself. He hid himself. How many of you know that Jesus has a sense of humor? He's really funny. Trust me, he does, because you're created in his image, and a lot of you are funny. I'm not saying you're funny looking, but you're funny. And, And so... He is so much fun, and he comes to them, he's disguised, and it says that he walks with them, and he begins to teach them, the Bible says, everything about himself in the scriptures. He couldn't teach them everything about himself because there was no possible way because there's no end to him, but he limited it to the scriptures. And so he's walking with them, and he's talking with them, and they're walking, and this has to be pretty amazing because they are, first of all, they're having a little bit of a woe is me moment. They are feeling down. They're feeling sad. You know, who they believed was their savior has now died, and now they have began calling him a prophet. Interesting how pain can take a revelation of God and decrease it, isn't it? That they had the revelation that he was the son of God and so much pain came in his heart that it reduced him from the son of God to a prophet. 
And so here they are, they're in pain. He's talking with them, he's walking with them. He's teaching them all about himself. They have no idea who he is. Something interesting happens. They get to the town. They're getting towards the town of Emmaus. And the Bible and your Bible says that Jesus started walking to the next town. How many of you know that he was not going to the next town? He was not. It was a setup. He starts to walk to the next town. And what happens? The disciples say, no, 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 no. Don't, don't keep going. Come and have dinner with us. Why is that important? Because Jesus had to provoke pursuit in their heart. Why? Because some things have to be pursued in him. There is a danger if we, if we begin to lose the pursuit of our walk with the Lord. Some people say, well, I'm in him and he's in me and I don't have to pursue him. Try that in marriage and say, well, we're together all the time. I don't have to pursue my spouse. <laughs> You'll be meeting us for counseling soon. Because the spouse is going to be say, I don't order together all the time, but it's, it's like we're together, but they don't care about me. I wonder if the church, by chance, could start to look like that. Because we're so confident in where we are in Christ that we're not pursuing Christ. <laughs> you guys are getting quiet. This is my intro, all right? You got you to gotta get this. This is so important. My wife and I, we work together so much. We are, we, we are constantly, we work together here. We're together a lot. Because we are so close, it takes more intentionality to pursue her because I'm always with her. But just because I'm with her doesn't mean we're having quality time together. Jesus, the closer you are in him, the, in which we're in Christ, he is in us. There's no separation. It requires pursuit. He was walking with them. He wanted to teach them all these amazing things, but he realized one thing. He realized they couldn't receive the revelation of him until their heart was positioned in pursuit. So what do you do? Well, I'm going to keep going. He's like, come get me. They're like, no, no, no. We, see, we saw it with, when they were out on the boat and Jesus came walking on the water to them. Remember that story? They're all out there on the boat and Jesus comes out and it says, the scripture's crazy. It said he was going to them and then he began to pass by them. Which is it? He wasn't gonna pass by them. He needed to get them to pursue him. And so he started to pass by them. And so there's something I want you to grab, though, because on the road to Emmaus, and this is where we're going to really go with it, on the road to Emmaus, something happened. They said this, Jesus comes in, they have dinner, they have communion, and when they're having communion, the Bible says that when they broke bread, again, Jesus is really funny, all of a sudden, they realize it's him, <gasps> Jesus, and poof, he's gone. Talk about a moment, you know what I mean? They're like, huh, wait, wait. Here's what I want you to catch. He walked with them. He talked with them. He taught them. And they said this. They said, why didn't we pay attention to the burning we felt in our hearts? What does that mean? That means that you can know a lot about Jesus and completely miss him if you don't pay attention to the burning in your heart. Are you with me? You see, we have to learn to pay attention. Moses had to look at the burning bush. The disciples said, why didn't we pay attention? Our hearts burned. Why didn't we get it? I believe that he is trying to get the body of Christ. I believe we are getting ready to come into a moment and a season where he is igniting the body of Christ. If you have a little faith, say amen. All I need is a little faith this morning, and we can move a lot of mountains. 
he's wanting to ignite the body of Christ again. He wants to set them on fire. So I want to read a scripture to you, Luke chapter 3, verse 15. We see John the Baptist, and they're asking John the Baptist questions about who he is. And in Luke chapter 3, verse 15, he says, The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might be the Messiah. John answered them and says, I baptize with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, and the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and I'm going to do that again. The Holy Spirit and fire. He said that he will come and baptize you in fire. There's three baptisms that we see in the scripture here. There's a baptism of water, there's a baptism of the Spirit, and there's a baptism of fire. Now, I have been in a lot of services where I have experienced the fire of God poured out. And I, have, I don't know, have any of you ever just experienced the fire of God coming on you before? Okay, if you have, you know where I'm getting ready to go. If you haven't, I hope you will have by the end of this service. Because something happens when the fire of God is poured out. Things happen to you. You do crazy things. Remember in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit came, they said, everyone thought they were drunk. Nowhere did they deny that they were drunk. They just said, it's not the drink you think it is. They said, they're not drinking what you think they're drinking. <laughs> they were drunk on the Holy Spirit. And they were, here they are. <laughs> here they are. And we begin to see something happening. We begin to see the fire of God is poured out. And I'm going to end on Acts 2, but let's, I'm not going to start there. But one of the first things, I'm going to give you seven things if we can get through it. I have a feeling it's going to be hard to get through it with this crew. Um, the, the first thing, the first thing that happens when the fire of God, a baptism of fire comes on you, I believe is a cleansing. Um, that's my first thing. I'm not going to say it's the first thing, but that's number one. Cleansing happens. I believe with some people, I have seen people get counseled and counseled and counseled and counseled and counseled, and then the fire hits them and something happens. Why? Because there's a cleansing that comes with the fire of the Holy Spirit, that you can preach it into them, you can sing it into them. Listen, I have learned there is one thing that I can't pump up. It is people being really, truly fire, on fire for God. I, I said this at the end of the first service, but one thing I've learned from Randy Clark, he said, when I minister for people, he said, I don't just stand up there and yell more if nothing is happening. He said, because more of nothing is nothing. He said, I wait until the Holy Spirit starts to move on them, and then I can release more. He said, but I don't just start yelling more because it could be more of nothing. <laughs> and so one of the things that happens, one, I'm going to call it manifestations of fire. The first one I have is when fire, a baptism of fire hits you, it cleanses you. <laughs> they were on the way to the burning place. I kept hearing over the gate. I just kept hearing that the gate is on the way to the burning place. Like, I've been hearing that for days. The gate is on the way to the burning place. Number two, the second thing I've got, the second manifestation of, of a baptism of fire is passion. 
passion. When God hits you, I love watching God hit the people that are reserved. <laughs> it's, it's great. You just watch them, you know, they'll be starting to, you know. You know, and they're all, I don't do that, you know. <laughs> I have watched people get bent over, turned around, all over the, passion. You can't work up passion. You just can't. I don't care what you try. One of the things that you can't work up is passion. I remember when Jesus restored Peter. If there's one person I think of in the Bible that was passionate, it was Peter. Good or bad. Peter, Peter is, is so fun. Peter is the disciple that, quite frankly, I just see that Jesus, I get to see who he likes through who he chose. I mean, he chose Peter. You get that, right? Like, if Peter was on anyone else's leadership team, they would have serious questions about the leader. You guys do understand, like, Peter, right? You understand. When Jesus found him, when Jesus first came to Peter, he was out fishing, and he was doing his thing, and Jesus said, hey, Peter, can I borrow your boat? Because he needed to be able to preach. There's so many people he wanted to put offshore a little bit and preach. And so he said, sure. And so he lets Jesus use his boat. Jesus gives it back. He says, I'll tell you what, go out there and throw your nets out again. He's like, nah, that doesn't work. And he said, just do it. I love that because it shows that sometimes God does a miracle without any faith from you. He moved in obedience. He wasn't moving in faith at that point. He had no faith. He's like, all right, you said so, I'll do it. But there was no faith. He puts it out. Not only does he get blessed, all of his partners get blessed. But I want you to catch something. Peter was always getting in trouble. Peter was the guy that was foot was in the mouth all the time. Peter was the guy that tried to chop off the head of someone when, when, and missed and took their ear off. I personally think it would have been amazing if he'd cut their head off because it would have been way cooler to watch Jesus put a head back on a body than an ear back on a body. Has anyone else ever thought of that? I, okay, maybe it's just me. I, I don't know what. I mean, come on, guys. You know, if he cut the head off and he picks the head up and puts it back on the body and it's like back. Okay, sorry. Tiffany's like, I can't do that weak stomach. I think it would be really cool. Nonetheless, this is Peter. This is Peter, the rock. It shows you that Jesus sees things that sometimes we don't see in people. And so here is Peter. <laughs> and how many remember when Jesus prophesied to him and told him, he said, listen, he said, you're going to deny me. And Peter said, no. Jesus said, yeah. And what happened? He denied him three times. I've been studying the restoration of Peter because it just is amazing to me. It's so different than church models of restoration. Because we believe that you can punish it out. Jesus loved it out. But I want you to catch something. Jesus came to Peter. He died and resurrected. This was the third appearance of Jesus after he had resurrected from the dead. And it said that he came to Peter. Again, this is cool. Peter was out fishing on a boat again. Jesus came out to him. And Peter knew it was Jesus. The Bible says that Peter threw off his cloak and he jumped in the water and he, he ran or swam. I don't know how deep it was. He was hauling it to get to Jesus. You feel the love for Jesus to restore Peter? Like he went and he found him where he was. But I want you to catch this. This is important. Jesus came to Peter, and he said, Peter, see, Jesus was, Jesus was getting ready to sozo Peter. 
because he was getting ready to not only redeem Peter, but he was going to go back to the moment where he messed up and he denied him three times, and now he's going to have him accept him three times. And he said, Peter, do you love me? I want you to pay attention, though. The word love there in Aramaic is the word H-O-O-B-A, huba. He says, it's kind of fun, do you huba me? He said, Peter, do you huba me? What does that mean? Do you passionately love me? You know what Peter's response was? I filio you. You know what filio means? Brotherly love. City of Philadelphia, brotherly love. He responded to Jesus with, I love you like a brother. Jesus said to him, he said, Peter, he said, do you, do you passionately, same word again. He said, do you, second time, do you passionately love me? And Peter says, I love you like a brother. Now, interesting on the third time, you know what Jesus says to him? He says, Peter, do you filio me? Jesus came to where Peter was at. And Peter said, I filio you. Now that messes with some people because here's Jesus trying to get him where he wants him, but he says, I know you're not going to get there with where you're at right now. So I'll come to where you are. But interestingly enough, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and he got baptized with fire, guess whose filio changed to Huba? <laughs> guess who all of a sudden after that was always communicating about his love for Jesus and passionate love what's the point when you get baptized with fire there are some people you can't tell them be passionate for Jesus Jesus didn't do it to Peter he asked him twice and he's like he's definitely not there right now do you filio me yeah I can do that you can't force people to be passionate in love for Jesus, but what you can do is let them have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and a baptism of fire that creates passion in them. And that's one of the things he's doing. It's one of the things he wants to pour out. The third thing is power. You with me? Come on, church, help me out a little bit. The third thing is power. When the Holy Spirit, when you are baptized in fire, it comes with power. This is something we need in the body of Christ is power. This is one of the greatest things that we have for reaching the world for Christ is power. Why? Because people won't argue with an experience. They will argue with what you believe all day long. Trust me, you can sit there, well, here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. Here's what I believe in the end times. Here's what I believe in the end times. Here's what I believe about theology. Here's what I believe about theology. And then all of a sudden, well, let me pray for you. Oh, my back's healed. Whoa. They don't care how it happened. We see it in the Bible. Remember the blind man that got healed and they were fighting because they're like, wait a minute, this shouldn't have happened. And he's like, guys, listen, I really don't care. All I know is I was blind and I couldn't see and now I can see. That is how we were designed to carry the power and authority and reach the world for Christ was with power. And it is really, really, really hard if you try to do it without power. Oh, it's a lot of work to reach the world without power. You have the authority the moment that you gave your life to Jesus. But power comes through the Holy Spirit. Jesus was given the authority to kick off ministry when he got baptized, and the heavens ripped open, and the Father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But he had to go through the desert before he came out with the power. He needed it. He needed it. Then the fourth manifestation of fire is presence, the presence of God. I can tell, I can almost always, when I see someone who's been baptized in fire, they have this presence of the Lord on them. That's like, you can see it. Like, ooh, you just got hit. 
You know what I'm talking about? Like you see some, I've had people when I have come to church and I've went to conferences and I've been out of town and come back to the church and like, ooh, you look different. It's not me. It's just that all of a sudden I have a greater something on me because baptism of fire tends to do that to you. And there's the presence. How many know who Charles Finney is? Man, we need to do, I'm telling you, we're going to have to do a history class. No one in the last one knew who he was either. Charles Finney is just an amazing man of God, a general in our history of faith. If you haven't read about him, you should go read about him. Charles Finney, Charles Finney would go and he would preach and there would be such a presence of God that people did not know what to do. They said people would literally run into each other because he would start preaching and some people in the room had to get out because the presence of God was so strong that they would run into people that were running in. They would just collapse and they would collide in the, in the aisles. They said to this day, this is crazy, to this day there are still churches in Rochester, New York, they say that you can see fingernail marks in the pews from when he preached there because people were so gripped with the presence of the Lord that their fingers were digging into the pews. Something they said that was interesting about Charles Finney, one of the accounts was that when Charles Finney would minister, they said that sometimes that there was a radius of up to 50 miles, a circle radius of 50 miles around him that people could feel the presence of God. I thought... I'm curious, right? So there has to be an app for this. So I go online and I start, and I found something that you can take your location and do a 50 mile marker, which I think that we should definitely shoot higher. But 50 miles, just just so you have an idea of how big of a span it was when he ministered with no internet. This was the presence of the Lord. 50 miles for us would be north all the way up to Statesville and south all the way down to Gaffney. If he ministered here, people all the way down to Gaffney felt the presence of the Lord in the service. People in Statesville felt the presence of the Lord in the service. God wants, I'm telling you, I've experienced it some, I don't know how many of you have been out to Reading and Bethel Church, but I have been there where I've driven over the line and I felt the presence when I came into the city limits of Reading because it's in the town. It's hosted in the town. I am believing, I haven't hit 50 miles yet, but I said it last time, I've hit 15 feet. Like, I'm, I'm baby-stepping it. I was in a restaurant not, uh, but probably two years ago, and I walked in, and it was, it was this moment where <laughs> uh, the waitress was, there's nobody in the waiting room, and she was a young girl, probably about 16 years old, and I'm waiting on my table, and she's just staring at me. I'm like, this is getting, I mean, it got awkward, you know? It was like that point of past normal and still staring. I'm like, I don't even know what to say, you know? Like, and so finally, I said to her, like, I think I said, we good? <laughs> like, uh, like, I didn't know what, uh, what do you say to someone that keeps staring at you? I'm like, hey, you know, I'm like, and uh, she's like, oh man, I, I'm not trying to be weird. I'm like, well, we're way past that point. Like we, we left weird a few minutes ago. And uh, she's like, listen, I don't, I, this is crazy. She's like, she's like, when you walked in, she said, I can't explain it, but she said, I had all this pain in my back and in my feet that just completely left when you walked in. She's like, I don't, what is that? And I, I'm like, oh, oh I, I can tell you what that is. And I began to share with her all about the Holy Spirit. And I had this opportunity. Why? It wasn't me. I just had my little 15 feet bear, like radius. <laughs> what would it be like that people land in Charlotte and when their flight lands, they say, I feel the presence of the Lord. Listen, reject all of the negative words over our city. 
reject all of the negative. I am so, if one more person tells me about a spirit of this and this and this, okay, the only reason if you know the spirit is so you can release the opposite spirit. So I, it's okay if you know it, but don't promote the spirits that are the devil in our city. He doesn't need attention. He's an attention hog. I don't give him attention, but if the Lord reveals it, we need people to pray for it, and he might reveal it to you. I remember hearing one time John Paul Jackson, before he'd passed away, people would ask him all these questions. He's like, the Lord has shown me so much, but I won't tell you about it because I don't want to speak it because some of it's not good, and I believe that I can change it. He refused to tell anybody about it. <laughs> Passion. Passion. Something else, something else about um, Charles Finney was that most people don't know that, um, well, first of all, people would go to Rochester, New York, and this was back in the late 1800s, I guess, and people would go to Rochester, New York, they would get on the train, and it said they would come into the train station, and the conductor of the train, people would ask him, say, where is Finney's meetings? And he would laugh, and he would say, don't worry, you'll feel it before you find it. <laughs> and he said, and if that doesn't work, follow all the people getting off this train because they're all going to the same place. What most people don't know is that Charles Finney had an intercessor that went everywhere ahead of him, and his name was Daniel Nash. Daniel Nash would go in front of him. He would go to the city that Charles Finney was going in, and he would intercede, they said, sometimes so loud that people up to a half mile away would hear him praying. And what they said was is that Daniel would go in, and he would deal with all the strongholds and all the stuff, and then Finney would come and follow up and release heaven. Whew. I felt the spirit right here last service. That's so cool. <laughs> I believe, I genuinely believe that God is doing a restoration and a new thing with intercession in the season we're coming into. I believe it with all my heart. He wants to do something new in the intercessors. I've been feeling it for about uh, almost two years now. And it's the season is here. The season is here. Oh, man. Passion. Passion, the fifth manifestation of a baptism of fire that I have, and you may have more, is holiness. Holiness. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one because I could preach a whole other sermon on this one. But when you are filled with the Spirit of God and the fire of God, you cannot not be holy as He is holy. <laughs> I had a, I've had so many interesting dreams lately. I'm debating what to tell you. Um, I had a dream last night. How many of you know who Leonard Ravenhill is? Mm. Oh, more. Okay, good. I had a dream last night that we were having our first service, this service today, in my dream, last night. And we were, everyone was coming in, and they rolled in a, an older gentleman in, in a wheelchair, and he came, and he sat right where you are. You got the good seat. And he sat right there, and it was Leonard Ravenhill. And I remember looking at him, and I remember hearing him speak, because if you've never listened to Leonard Ravenhill speak, it will shake you. The fire of God in his voice and the passion of God in his voice, you can feel it. And he came in, and he began to speak. But something interesting, and I'm not going to tell you who it is, but there was another minister that wanted to come in, and many of you probably would know who he is, but he was a person that his morals and his character, I knew what he represented. He represented someone who was not in the holiness of the Lord. And as much as he wanted to come in, he couldn't come in in my dream. And it wasn't about him in a dream. It was about what he represented because he was welcome. That person was welcome to come in. But what God was saying, what I am doing right now, what I am releasing, people 
that have no desire and no intention for living a life of holiness, they're not going to feel comfortable in it. I'm telling you, he's going to ignite the church. See, he's bringing us to a place. He's bringing us to a place who we, we know who God is, but we can't sacrifice in our pursuit of better understanding him or better theology or better doctrines or whatever you want to say. You can't, you can't, you can't sacrifice the passion of the Lord. The sixth thing is prophecy. <laughs> the sixth manifestation of a baptism of fire is prophecy. You ever been hit with a baptism of fire and you got up and you wanted to prophesy for everybody? <laughs> and then when you did, you began to prophesy and it was accurate and you're like, whoa, this is amazing. <laughs> like I've seen people, they're like, whoa, man, I'm gonna prophesy over you. And it's like, wow, that was actually really accurate. Why? Because there is something as a manifestation of when the baptism of fire hits you, you begin to prophesy. You just do. You begin to prophesy. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one and I'm going to wrap it up here in a moment and this one's a little different but I believe it with all my heart is that he, the seventh thing that when you're baptized with fire that he wants his intention is to put a seal on your heart there uh, yeah there was this song that we used to sing years ago that was called uh, uh, I Won't Relent by Misty Edwards, you know, or You Won't Relent. You won't relent and sing. There's a line in there that she sings from the Song of Solomon that says that I'll set you as a seal upon my heart as a seal upon my arm. Oh, such a good song. They would sing that song and it was just every time, give me the goosebumps. God wants to put his mark on, on your heart. He wants to put a seal on your heart. I meet so many people that are so worried about so many other things and different, you know. Uh, the church, listen, we're not called to be a people of fear. We're not called to be a people of fear. I meet people that are so scared of all the different, you know, what about end times and the mark of the beast? Don't worry about the mark of the beast. Worry about the mark of fire. Don't worry about that. You're good. It doesn't matter what your end time belief is. If there's fear in it, you're in trouble. People ask me all the time, what's your end time belief? Oh, why are you asking? <laughs> That's always my question. How are you asking? That's like people ask, what do you think about giving? Are you trying to give more or less? Let's start there. <laughs> That'll help me know where to go with this conversation. <laughs> people, well, what do you, this or that? You know, well, let's just figure out where we're going with this. Like, is this about how to give less or more? <laughs> people are like, where do you think about end times? Well, what's the point of this? Are we, you know, because here's what I'll say. You should not have fear in any area of your life. Any area of your life. I have met people that are so fearful of the end times. I have heard stories that would blow your mind. I've shared them before. I have met ladies. I've not met them, excuse me. I have a friend that has told me about ladies that had procedures done so when they got married, they could never have children because they were so fearful that they would have kids and that their kids would live in the times of you know, the Antichrist and all that stuff that they actually never could have children again. That level of fear. Isn't that sad? We are more than overcomers. 
we have nothing to fear. And we have the baptism of fire that comes with power and passion and holy. Listen, there's nothing to worry about. I have a friend that was in the first service this morning who's a police officer, and I was, um, I, was, I was hanging out with him for a few minutes yesterday when he got a text message about potential rioting in a certain place, and um, I could tell he felt overwhelmed. And I just said, I'm gonna pray for you right now. And we just began to release the, the presence of the Lord and the fire of the Lord on him. The fire of the Lord on him. That he would go forth in power, I could feel the atmosphere shifting over him. And what's interesting about last night is that they said none of the riots that they had expected happened. Like, like they had enough reasoning that this, he showed, he showed me there was a text thread of they basically called all the police officers back from vacation. They told all the Matthews police officers that they were gonna have to help the Pineville police officers because they knew there was gonna be rioting in a certain location and nothing happened. Nothing happened. Even what was going on, even what was going on uptown was peaceful for the most part. It was peaceful. I had, friend, I had friends down there praying. We need the baptism of fire. We need the baptism of fire. Let's stand up. Thank you, God. Thanks, God. I want to pray this over you. I want to pray two baptisms over you. The first one was in the scripture of Acts, it said that when the Holy Spirit came and he filled the house. The first filling that we hear about filled the house was an inward filling. This is where you live from. This is your character. This is your in, your, the inner being of who you are. A lot of people focus on the second filling, which was when the fire came and landed on their heads, and that filled them outwardly for ministry. But I think that there's something we need to make sure we get here is that his intention was for you to be filled inwardly before you're filled outwardly. We don't need more people that are filled outwardly without inwardly. So, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Just put your hands out, guys. Thanks, Holy Spirit. Those of you that are watching at home, put your hands out. And in Jesus' name right now, Father, we ask that the presence and the fire of your Holy Spirit, the baptism of fire, would baptize us, but first it would baptize us inwardly. Right now, in our hearts. Matter of fact, just put your hands over your heart if you feel led to. I feel like we just need to prophetically put our hands over our heart. Lord, I ask that you would first and foremost baptize us inwardly. It filled the house. We are the house of God. I pray over every person, fill their house. Fill their house. Some of you really need this. I feel it off of you. Feel the dryness. Good thing is, is dry wood burns really fast and really hot. So in Jesus' name, release, Father, the fire of God inwardly inwardly that we would burn this is from the youngest in the room to the oldest in the room that we would burn 
We would burn, Father, for you. Lord, now I ask that as, as the fire of God then showed up and it came into the house and it said that it was split off and it became tongues of fire over every one of them, that you intend for us all, we need our own fire. You can't live off your spouse's fire. You can't live off this church's fire. You need your own fire. So in Jesus' name, we ask that the fire of God would be released right now in this room. I need you to pray now, okay? Because I can't do this for you. I release, Father, with the authority that you have given me, Lord, the fire of God on this day as we remember, we celebrate the power of God, a baptism of fire on your people, God. A baptism of fire on those that are watching from uh, remote different places, Lord. Lord, baptize them in fire. Now, in Jesus' name, Lord, we love you, we love you, we love you. If you have a prayer language, I want you to begin to pray in that right now. Pray in that language even right now. Lord, release the fire of God, release the fire of God, release the fire of God right now. Come on, ignite your church. Bring us to the burning place, God. Bring us to the burning place. Let us get in a place where it doesn't matter if it looks different and we don't understand. We recognize you through the burning in our heart. We find you from the burning in our heart, the burning in our heart. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, some of you need more than that. Woo. <laughs> oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Now, I know you can't necessarily touch people around you, but extend your hands towards whoever the Lord highlights in your spirit right now. Just extend your hand towards them and release right now over them the fire of God over them right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on. Some of you are here for, it's really important that you're here this morning. He wants to ignite your heart. He wants to ignite your heart and he wants to ignite you with a ministry right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, 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 more. You're so good, Jesus. You're so good, Jesus. You're so good, Jesus. Sure. Come on, let's not, come on, we can hang in there another moment. Lord, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. <laughs> there you go, there it is, Father. Now, Father, we pray even larger, we pray for our city, that, Father, it would be known as a burning place. <laughs> I even think about um, of the statue that we have a queen holding like a torch when you come into our city. Uh, crown, crown, crown. Lord, let it be, Father, just let our city be known as the place that burns for you. Let it be known as the place that burns for you, God. I pray that people want to come to Charlotte, Lord, experience the goodness of the Lord. God is releasing strategy and apostolic missions in this house right now. And I'm telling you, it's going to affect nations. Lord, we lean into that and we know that you want this city to be known for the goodness of the Lord, for the goodness of the Lord. Let it happen. Let it happen. I, I also just feel the authority right now to just speak to some stuff. I speak to every demonic power that has been trying to move in this city specifically, and I cancel you right now. And I tell you, you have no power. You have no authority in my city. You guys need to speak to it like it's your city. Some, something happens when you take uh, ownership of your city. So right now, you have no right in my city, and we command you to get out and take every other demonic influence that you've brought with you, and we release the angels of the Lord. I pray right now over the, over the believers in this city 
that they would have a moment like the servant of Elisha who was Gehazi and he saw all the armies around him and he went to Elisha and said, are you concerned? He said, no. And he prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes so he can see what I see. And Gehazi saw the armies of the Lord surrounding him. Lord, I pray that not only would the believers see that, but those that are trying to cause trouble that they would see the angels of the Lord in this city and that they would back off. That Lord, we establish your kingdom, we establish you in this city, that you are good and your love endures forever. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I, I feel the presence of the Lord still. Um, we don't have ministry team this morning, but you are welcome to um, pray with people with whatever boundaries that they have. <laughs> you can pray with them, but we bless you. We bless everybody that was watching online this morning. And just take a few minutes, and before you go out the door, the presence is thick in this room. Bless you guys.